Wow. Man, it's so good to be back at Sanctuary, man. Come on. Come on. Uh, welcome to Sanctuary 2020. Guaranteed to be the best year of Sanctuary ever. Eat that, Scotty Scruggs from 10 years ago. Uh, most of you guys don't even know him, but old pastor. Uh, hey, we are, uh, if we've never met before, by the, by the way, my name is Adam, and I get the pleasure of pastoring uh, here at Sanctuary, our Young Adults Ministry in Menlo Dot Church. And I'm so excited. Uh, we kicked off a new series last week called Resolutions. Uh, I'm guessing you can guess why we're calling it that. Uh, we want to look at how we can resolve uh, to be spiritually healthy people this year. Uh, curious, how many of you guys, I feel like there's two camps with resolutions. How many of you guys are into resolutions? Like you're, be bold. Yeah. Yeah, okay. How many of you guys are like, that's weird, I'm not into the, okay. Oh, wow. It's literally, it's like a 50-50 split. That's crazy. Uh, so yeah, it's really weird with resolutions. Some people love them. Some people hate them. Some think it's cheesy. Some people go out and buy an actual notebook just so they can fill it up uh, with, with resolutions. And I think we can all agree on this fact, though, that we all have uh, a deep, deep desire to uh, be fully alive. That's, that's what resolutions get at. We want to be people that flourish in every way possible. And that's why we thought of this series. Uh, the definition of the word resolve is this, affirm determination to do something. Uh, whether we write down resolutions or not, uh, in order to thrive or to flourish, we have to have a firm determination, a resolve to do something. So what we want to talk about for uh, the next three weeks is how we can have a firm determination to be spiritually healthy, to be spiritually healthy. Uh, a lot of times when you think of being spiritually healthy, you think of things like prayer, reading the Bible, attending church, which those are all great things. I encourage you to do them. Uh, but spiritually healthy is all-inclusive. Uh, what we know about spirituality is it includes all pieces of our lives. There's this uh, great uh, thing that Jesus said in Matthew 22. Uh, he said the greatest commandment uh, can be summed up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. What is he trying to communicate to us here? What's the principle behind this? To love God with everything. Not just with your church attendance, reading Bible, just the, the churchy spiritual things, but every piece of our lives. We want to love God and honor him and be healthy in those ways. And so last week we talked about being emotionally healthy. Uh, we had a guest speaker, Josh Robertson, who did great. Uh, next week we're going to talk about being financially healthy. That should be fun. Uh, and the week after that, we're going to be talking about being physically healthy. It'd be interesting to talk about that at church. Uh, but today, uh, I'm excited because we want to talk about how do we love God with all of our mind? How do we love God with our mind? How can we be intellectually healthy? How can our minds flourish? And I'm really excited to think about that. I want to show you guys a picture. Uh, this is one of my best buddies in all the world. Yeah, this is Hurley. Uh, this is Hurley Dog. Uh, that's when she was eight weeks old. Uh, she was my, uh, a puppy we got in Chicago eight years ago. And uh, if you just look at her, don't you, don't you just want to cuddle with her? I miss those days. She was so soft 
and perfect. Um, my wife and I were newly married. She had never had a dog in her life, and so we went looking around, and we found Hurley. It was like Hurley found us. Am I right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's cheesy. Uh, but she was so soft and cuddly. And the thing about puppies is they're perfect. <laughs> uh, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's dog people and cat people. Uh, or there's, there's a, oh, there's a meow back there? Okay. I was about to make fun of cat people, but I won't. I won't. Uh, puppies are perfect, right? When you look at them and when you cuddle with them, you think to yourself, you look them in the eye and you're like, there's nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. You are perfect in every way. But the reality, those of you who've had a dog before, puppies are also terrorists. They are a terror. Uh, so we get Hurley, and she was just so great, lovable in every way. And then she becomes a terrorist at our house. As soon as we bring her home, she starts peeing on our carpet and pooping on our carpet. Uh, and then at night, we didn't know this at night, but she starts barking. Uh, all night long. And it was the first time, and just a marriage t- tip for you guys when you get married, is uh, I would ignore the barking uh, to pretend like I didn't hear it so Lori would get up and take her outside. That's, you can use it again when you have kids, too. You just ignore that you can hear them crying. Uh, just saying, just saying. Uh, she'd bark all night long, and then we'd go to work, and I had this old lady that lived underneath me, and she would come to me and she'd be like, your dog barked all night or all day long while you were at work. Uh, and then she would like nip at our hands and everything. Uh, she was truly a terror. I loved her to death. She was gorgeous, but she was a terror. Puppies are so hard. Why? Because dogs are animals. <laughs> They're crazy. They're wild. And so over time, what do we have to do with our dog? We took her to puppy school. Uh, and so we took her to puppy school, and we started teaching her to sit down, to lay, uh, to uh, fetch. I don't know. I can't remember what else we taught her. Uh, over time, she started learning these basic commands. And then we started teaching her uh, how to uh, use the bathroom outside in the middle of sh- uh, Chicago winters. We'd have to take her out in the snow. It was horrible. Uh, but over time, she started developing uh, knowing when to go to the restroom. And then uh, we started uh, teaching her not to bite us. We'd spray water in her face, right? Uh, over time, uh, she started to, to be trained. We had to train her. And to this point, she is over eight years old. I want to show you some, some current day pictures. Uh, let's go to the next picture. That's her old Hurley. That's with my two, uh, two oldest kids. And I got one more. She's with my seven-month-old baby. Look at that. And now, Hurley Dog, at eight years old, is the sweetest. She's so trained. You can put your hand, like, in her mouth. She would never, ever bite you. Uh, the babies, the kids, they'll pull her ears, they'll wrestle with her, and she's just like, she'll look at uh, my, uh, my wife and I, and she's just like, what is happening right now? <laughs> but she's so docile. She's so trained. She's the best pet ever. And recently we found out, you guys who, who have pets, you know how hard this is. We found out she's got cancer. And so she's doing great, but, you know, we're, we know it's, it's sort of the last stages of her life. And, and we look at her now and just like she's a part of the family. And she's so trained. And when we think about the mind, the thing about the mind is it is like an animal. Uh, It races around. Our thoughts race around frantically, no boundaries, jumping from one thing to the next. There's this interesting verse, 2 Corinthians, uh, sort of our key verse tonight. It says this, take every thought 
captive to obey Christ. Uh, the word captive is interesting here. Captive can mean hostage, uh, to be controlled, uh, imprisoned, or confined. Most of us, I don't know about you, but it's sort of the opposite of what this scripture is talking about. We're actually hostage to our thoughts. It's our mind, it's our thoughts that are taking us captive. We're held captive by them. We can't turn them off, and we can't control them. Uh, maybe for some of you tonight, uh, it's the thoughts of worry. You're constantly thinking about worst-case scenarios. What's coming up next? What if? What might happen? Constant thoughts of worry, anxiety. Closely related to this, maybe uh, you have constant thoughts of fear. Uh, fear about our current state in our world. Uh, fear about losing money, about having money. Fear of losing someone special. Uh, fear about your status with others. Constant uh, thoughts we can't control. Maybe yours are anger, cynicism, frustrated at work, at the world, at incompetent people. Um, lustful thoughts. There's an old adage that's been thrown around for years that men think of sex every seven seconds. That uh, seems a little high to me, but... Uh, there's this constant uh, thoughts. They take control. Jealousy, comparison. Maybe you get on social media, Instagram, and your thoughts uh, constantly bombard you, keep you captive of how you don't look like someone else or what you don't have. See, our thoughts, if we're not careful, can take us captive. And we can't control them. If we can't learn to control our thoughts and our mind... Uh, we will live a life of captivity. It's the opposite of what we want. want. We won't flourish. We won't live fully. We won't be free, uh, but we'll be held captive. The good news, and this is the reason we should all pay attention tonight, is uh, we can learn to change this. We can learn to flip this reality. Whatever your circumstance is tonight, whatever your uh, thoughts are running around in your head, whatever you're going through, job, people, stress, anxiety, we can learn how to flip this, to be control, be in control of our thoughts. Uh, tonight, whether you're a Christian or not, maybe you're in here and you are uh, not sure what you believe about Jesus or about God or about this whole thing going on, uh, I still encourage you to pay attention because this uh, can make you healthier in your life. Uh, we all have the chance to live with freedom and fullness. So anytime we want to train something, we have to have a process, right? If we want to train our brain, which rhymes, <laughs> so it's super cool. Uh, if we're going to train our brain, we have to have a process. We're going to train. And the process I want to look at tonight, three words, dwell, discipline, and develop. Let's all say those together. Dwell, discipline, develop. You guys actually did it. I'm surprised. You know, you don't have to do what I tell you to do, right? <laughs> okay, great. Okay, first word, dwell. I love this word. If you guys are here at the beginning of SYNC, uh, you heard me mention this word. The definition of dwell is to keep the attention directed on something. Uh, to keep your attention directed on something. So question, where do you direct your attention? What do you dwell on? Uh, how many of you guys are daydreamers? 
like in school and stuff. Yeah, I was always a daydreamer. Uh, I remember in high school, my buddy, uh, his name was Catfish, uh, not his legally given name. And Catfish uh, one time was in our uh, class, and the teacher kept saying his name, and, uh, and he wasn't paying attention. And so we all started looking over at him, and Catfish, you could tell he's daydreaming, and she kept saying his name. And then we started noticing that he started caressing the wall next to him. <laughs> she keeps trying to get his attention, and his eyes are just... You know, he's staring at something and just caresses the wall more and more. And we're like, what is he daydreaming about right now? Uh, we kept giving him such a hard time for that. Um, his name was Catfish. He already had a hard time. Uh, daydreaming is this concept. That without even realizing, we allow our minds to focus on things. Our attention gets directed. The question we have to ask is, what do we want our mind to dwell on? What do we want our mind to focus on? Do you dwell about your future concerns? What might happen in the future? Do you dwell on past mistakes and regrets? Do you dwell on your inadequacies? Do you dwell on what's wrong with others in the world? What do you direct your attention towards? What do you dwell on? Philippians 4.8 says this, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's any excellence. Is there anything worth, worthy of praise? Think about these things. Think about these things. Imagine what would happen if you started training your mind to dwell on pure and honorable things. Imagine if every time you're tempted to dwell on bitterness or cynicism, you trained your mind to turn your attention to grace and peace, justice, and the good all around us. Uh, I want to show you uh, guys a little something that my kids really love. I know you might be thinking, what is in there? Is that a human appendage? It is not. Uh, my kids are really into these little toys. Uh, this thing started out about this size. Uh, have you guys ever seen these kind of to toys before? They, uh, so you drop them in water, and they essentially soak up their surroundings. And so uh, this is actually an octopus in here, and we put this in water a couple days ago. It's really gross feeling and looking. <laughs> but now, <laughs> my kids love these. And now look at this, the size of that. And apparently, according to uh, the instructions, it'll grow like for another week. So it's going to get really big and really gross. Uh, but what I love about this is uh, you put these things in water and uh, they soak up. I can't even get it in there. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like it's living right now? Uh, as it's sitting in the water, as it's sitting in its surroundings, it's soaking up. It's absorbing uh, the water. It's becoming what's around it. It's like a sponge, right? It's absorbing everything uh, that's around it. Our minds are like this. We absorb our surroundings. We soak up what we decide to dwell on. Uh, we become what our thoughts uh, are constantly focused on. Whatever we allow our mind to soak in, it will absorb and become. Uh, in Psalms, the psalmist says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. This is perfect. He is like a tree planted in streams of water, 
He's soaking up the goodness of God as he meditates uh, in the goodness of God. Uh, you know, this is part of why we gather together in worship. You may be newer to the faith. You may be newer to uh, singing songs in a community like this. Worship is not just about songs, bands, lights. The band's great, by the way, huh? Yeah? All right. Yeah. Worship is a time for us to dwell on the goodness of God. It's time to soak in the goodness of God, to be in his presence. And for some of you guys, sometimes maybe you don't even need to sing. You just need to sit and be with God, to soak in his presence, to dwell. We're going to have a time of worship after this message. And I want to encourage you to focus your attention on him, to dwell on the goodness of God. Uh, there's other things we can do. There's beauty all around us. There's creation. We live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. We can go to the ocean, we can go to the mountains, and we can sit and soak in the goodness of God all around us. We can take a day of solitude, and we can be in the creation of God. We can dwell on our loved ones. We can dwell in love. We can dwell on the things of justice. Uh, maybe you've heard about this. This is a pretty popular uh, thing to do these days, but this is what a gratitude journal is all about. A gratitude journal is counting your blessings to dwell on the good gifts that God has given you instead of dwelling on your burdens and the things that are wrong with the world. So our brain can be trained. We can learn how to control it. The first step is we have to learn how to dwell on the goodness of God, learn how to focus our attention uh, on the goodness of God. All right, the second word is discipline. So we got to dwell on the goodness, and now we have to discipline. Uh, I want to show you a picture of my son, Cohen. This is Cohen, brother. Uh, I took this picture because uh, he was making it. He was, for a week, he was just doing this expression. And I said, buddy, what is, you, what is that? What are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just being daddy. And I said, what? <laughs> and apparently, that's just something I do a lot. Like we're eating ta at the dinner table, and I just put my, my hand in it's like, yeah, I'm just being daddy. Uh, something about kids, this is not a surprise to you, uh, but I'm just, uh, it's incredible how much our kids, uh, their minds are like a sponge. Uh, they soak up everything we say, everything we do. Uh, as parents, we have to really regulate what they consume. We're pretty careful about what they watch as far as shows and what they listen to, but occasionally uh, one of them will say a phrase, and we're like, where did you hear that phrase from? Uh, they, they soak up everything. And so we have to be disciplined about what we allow them to consume. And this is the reality for us as adults. We have to have discipline in what we allow our mind to consume, what we allow our mind to soak in. Uh, you know, maybe you grew up uh, like me, and this makes you cringe a little bit, because I, I grew up in a youth group, and there are youth groups similar to me, uh, that they did this phenomenon. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but you'd get together, and you would burn all your secular CDs. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, it's such a desire not to listen to anything of the world. We'd get together, and we'd throw our CDs, in, and we'd burn them all together. I was also part of a, a, a Christian tradition. For a while, they boycotted Disney. Disney. Uh, they wouldn't let, like, we wouldn't watch Disney movies. You couldn't go to Disneyland. 
so careful about uh, uh, what we watched and what we consumed, uh, no rated R movies, things like that. And so maybe you have a little bit of cringiness like I do when, when we talk about uh, being disciplined in what we consume. Uh, I, want, I, I want to be clear. I think art is beautiful. It's nuanced. It's complex and it's layered. Uh, often in the Christian world, uh, we can be overly protective and, and we miss seeing the beauty in the complexity. So to be clear, I'm not talking about uh, not watching R-rated movies or not listening to Kendrick Lamar anymore. Uh, you, you guys are adults. You can determine your limits. Uh, you, can, uh, you can decide how you want to engage with art and em- entertainment. I don't want to tell you how to do that. But uh, what I'm talking about is an awareness. I'm talking about awareness of what you're consuming and how it affects you right? Uh, an awareness. You're, you're an adult. Uh, if you want to eat a bag of Oreos in one sitting, go at it. I'm not going to judge you. Do it. Do it. Uh, but be aware of the effect it's going to have on you. You're probably going to die the next day, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're adults. You can do what you want, but we just have to become aware of the effects of what we consume. In the same way, we've got to be aware of what we're letting our mind consume. An example for me, I love stand-up comedy. It's one of my favorite art forms. Um, but what I've learned as, as I've really looked at it is I have to limit how much I listen to in one sitting. I have to, I have to limit which kind of comics I listen to as well. Because as I looked at what I was consuming, I noticed uh, they can make me overly cynical or less sensitive to, to the real needs of people around me. Uh, so trace back your thoughts uh, to the causes. Where are they originating from? Where's your cynicism coming from? Where's, where's that originating from? Where's the fear coming from? If you read or watch the news the first thing in the morning, uh, be aware of how it affects your mind. For some of you, that may, may be totally fine, maybe nothing. For others, it may create a sense of tension and anxiety if you start out your your day like that. When you're on Instagram or Facebook, be aware of how that affects your thoughts. Are you getting jealous? Are you getting FOMO? Are you mad at, um, mad at someone's political views? Guilty. Uh, are you feeling miss, miss, like you're missing out? Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I'm not telling you to, to get off social media or not watch certain shows, but uh, I, I want to be a reminder of what we consume affects how we think. If we're going to take captive our thoughts and control them, if we want to be free uh, with, with all of our mind, if we want to be mentally, intellectually healthy, we have to train our brains and we have to be disciplined about what we consume. So we have to learn how to dwell on the goodness of God and not dwell in the negative. And we have to learn how to discipline ourselves to what we consume. And finally, we have to develop develop. Uh, sometimes uh, the three uh, staff members are saying, David, Mark, and I will go work out together, believe it or not. It's a funny picture. And uh, Mark, Mark's not here tonight, but Mark Morinishi, he's sort of our personal trainer, David and myself. I know what you're thinking. Why am I not the personal trainer? I know. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Mark has been, you know, just teaching us some tips and tricks. And a few weeks ago, Mark was teaching me some new squat exercises. And uh, they were so awesome. 
in the moment. Uh, the ne- we worked so hard. I kept telling him, like, dude, this is great. This is really where, you know, I'm trying to speak the, la- the, the lingo and like, yeah, really burning my quads, man. Really, really working them. The next day, uh, I woke up and I looked at my wife and I was like, I either had a really good workout or I have the flu and I might die today. <laughs> it hurts so bad. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When you work out so hard and your legs are the next day, you're just like jello and it's just so painful. My kids would go and like touch me on the leg and I'd just be like, oh, it's so painful. Uh, When you work out, I'm learning this, when you work out, uh, you have to push the limits, right? You have to stretch yourself. You got to push yourself if you want your muscles to grow and to become healthier. This is the obvious correlation. To train our minds, uh, we need to develop them. We need to stretch them. We need to push them if we want our minds, our thoughts to grow. It's not just limiting what we put in, uh, but it's being intentional about how we develop our minds. Psalm 25 uh, 5 says this, guide me in your truth. Teach me. You're my God and my salvation. All day long, I wait for you. Teach me. Teach me. Uh, Oftentimes, we don't think about uh, the years before we knew about Jesus' ministry. We basically know about uh, his his three-year ministry in his 30s. We don't think about all that time beforehand. And there's just basically one thing that's said about him, and it's said that Jesus was constantly at the temple, and he was growing in wisdom and stature. He was developing. He's developing his wisdom and his stature. To love the Lord with all of our minds means to grow and develop, to be taught and stretch. Some of you, this is as simple as getting out of your comfort zone when it comes to to reading scripture. I was just talking uh, to Stephen Gasway about this uh, at Sankang. We were talking about uh, how powerful it can be to read a different version of the Bible sometimes, just get a different perspective. One of my mentors years ago, uh, he told me, he was like, for six months, don't read like a chapter of, a, of scripture, just read one verse and read it for a week at a time. Uh, learn how to sit in scripture. Uh, maybe if you're used to reading scripture one way, you can shorten it. Maybe if you're, you read short passages of scripture, you could read long ones. We want to switch it up. We want to change it up. We want to think about ways we can stretch ourselves. And do you simply come to church and listen to one person? Uh, I'm glad if that's me, uh, but challenge yourself. Listen to other preachers. Listen to other sermons. Uh, do you listen to uh, books? Uh, do, you, do you read books? Um, what we want to have is a ravenous appetite for understanding. We want to be curious about the world we live in. We want to ask questions to become lifelong learners. Uh, many of us are into podcasts, like utilize that, documentaries, mentors, uh, books. Man, we want to stretch and grow our minds. Uh, we want to be the kind of people that are learning about our world. Uh, we're learning about immigration issues and the Christian response to that. We're learning about poverty and what that means for us. We're learning about ethics. Uh, we want to have a ravenous appetite understanding, to stretch and grow our minds and theology, uh, every area of life. Uh, 
So we want to dwell on the goodness of God. We want to discipline our minds, what we consume. And we want to develop our minds. We want to be intentional about how we do that. Uh, finally, I want, to, I want to show you a picture of a guy named Michael Scott Moore. Uh, you guys might have heard about this guy. He wrote a book. Um, Michael Scott Moore was a journalist. And, and years ago, he was uh, going to do a story in uh, Somalia. And he got captured. He got taken captive and, and uh, taken hostage. And so for two and a half years, two and a half years, uh, he was beaten. Uh, he was often nearly starved to death. He had to witness one of his fellow captives be murdered, uh, constantly not knowing if he would ever uh, be freed. He would constantly uh, contemplate suicide, just not knowing if he could go on with his life. Uh, can you imagine what that was like, to not know if you'd ever be free, to not experience um, the goodness of what life is, to be in captivity all the time? I, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be free versus what it means to be captive. To be free means to be fully alive. So many of us in our world today, we are captive by so many other things. We don't even realize it. And one of those things is our mind. If we don't learn how to train our mind, we will be held captive by our thoughts. Uh, what's interesting about this story, at one point, uh, years down the road, these uh, Somali pirates were trying to get ransom money. And so they finally got Michael Scott Moore to think of a phone number that he knew and to call them. And he happened to only know the phone number of his mom. And so he called his mom. And of course, she was terrified. He said her voice was shaking, but she starts talking with these pirates. And um, basically, uh, her son, two years, being in captivity, she doesn't know what's happening to him. Uh, he reaches out for rescue for help, a cry for help. It's really interesting. His mom, uh, the, the pirates initially wanted $10 million for his ransom, and his mom talked him down to $1 million, which is an interesting tidbit of that story. Uh, but eventually, uh, the mom worked with the government, and they were able to pay a ransom uh, to rescue him. And for, for us, as we think about this kind of concept, as we talk about our mind, I know it can feel a little self-helpy, what I've talked about tonight, uh, stuff you can learn from psychology books or podcasts. What makes our approach different, uh, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, is we have someone, uh, this belief that we need rescue, someone we can cry out for help. And a lot of times we talk about Jesus, what he did on the cross, what his life was, how he paid a ransom to set us free, to bring us help, to bring us rescue. This is what we need. We're in the midst of fearful thoughts, anxious thoughts, lustful, angry, jealous. Our approach uh, is not just to change things, but we need to reach out to the creator of these beautiful, complex things we call brains. 
And so here in a moment, we're going to respond in worship. And I would just ask you to dwell in the presence of God. We believe God is here with us. As we sing this song, I ask that you would uh, call out to God for rescue, for help. He's listening. The song we're going to sing talks about uh, this reality that Jesus, in the midst of the storm, has the power to calm storms. That's the God we believe in. He has the power to calm your mind. He has the power to help you train your mind. And so let's pray together, and we will respond uh, by asking him for help. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, I'm so thankful uh, for tonight. I'm thankful for this reminder that, uh, that you've given us such a, a beautiful, complex, weird thing in, in our brains. But a reminder also that uh, our thoughts so often end up taking a hold of us. Many of us in this room are wrestling uh, with constant thoughts that are beating us down. We feel hostage. We feel captive, imprisoned, confined by them. So Jesus, we're asking for help. We agree together. We cannot do this on our own, on our own power. Many of us have tried that over and over again. So we come to you in this moment and we say we need help, we need rescue. I know a lot of you in this room, you're dealing with uh, thoughts of worry and anxiety, depression. And I just encourage you as we sing these next couple of songs, uh, we've got some members of our prayer team back in the back of the room. And uh, I just want to invite you to go and pray with them. They would love to pray over you, encourage you. Uh, or maybe you just need to sit. Instead of just singing, maybe you need to sit and soak with God. Continue to ask him for help in this area. So Jesus, we give you this time. We give you these moments. So in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.